This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Institute's Daily Podcast. I'm Sterling Burnett, Director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy and Managing Editor of Environment and Climate News. The Senate's grossly, indeed farcically misnamed Inflation Reduction Act awaits action in the U.S. House. As I discussed in the most recent Climate Change Weekly column, which I encourage you to read and subscribe to if you don't already, the bill is laden with enough pork for politically connected profiteers, activists, and lawyers to feed off of for years, although I doubt well, that will prevent the bloated piggies from coming back for more sooner rather than later. When was the last time Congress increased spending while simultaneously reducing inflation? Uh, I can't think of a time. As implausible as the inflation reductions staging of the Democrats' pork-filled bill um, special interest fodder is, you know, the idea that it's going to reduce inflation, the claims being made about its effect on greenhouse gas emissions are pure fantasy. The media keeps parroting the claims by Senate Democrats in the White House that this bill will reduce carbon dioxide emissions by 40% by 2030, less than seven and a half years from now, long after Biden and most of those passing it have left office. The media has called this bill a breakthrough, astonishing, and the biggest U.S. climate legislation ever. I can hardly think of anyone better to discuss the ins and outs of the green energy portions of the Schumer Mansion boondoggle than my friend Marlo Lewis, a senior fellow with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And we're fortunate to have him here with us today. Marlo, it's been too long. Thanks for joining us. Sterling, thank you so much for, for having me back. Yeah, well, it's been too long. I've, I've got to remedy uh, my uh, how I line up my invitations because I look back and it's been three years. So... Uh, before we begin talking about the so-called Inflation, Adjusted, uh, Inflation Adjustment Act, ho, 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 for our listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work at Competitive Enterprise Institute, because it has been a while, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to work on energy and environmental issues at CEI. Oh, well, thanks so much, Sterling. Well, I started out in life to become a political philosopher and uh, – and uh, taught for a while at the Claremont Colleges out in California. Um, but that was also a time when the Cold War was building to a climax. So I decided, I, I, because I couldn't get a tenure-track job, uh, <laughs> because political philosophy was not in big demand then and certainly is not really now, uh, you know, unless it's gender studies or something like that, as someone, as someone uh, with a also with a philosophy degree, I can attest to all of those facts. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, I decided I would go to Washington D.C. and try to help Ronald Reagan win the Cold War. And so, so I I came to Washington thinking I would stay here maybe two or two to four years, and ended up, you know, getting another job after the Reagan administration. And then before I knew it, you know, I was. I was I was a creature of the of of the DC Beltway economy. And so anyway, that's that's where I, that's where I've been. And uh over and as the Soviet threat uh finally 
went went belly up, um, I began to appreciate the threats to our liberty and our prosperity arising from from bad domestic policies. And so I, I, I initially got involved in fiscal policies. I worked for an organization called Citizens Against Government Waste, which is a pork fighting organization and still still around and still very feisty doing great work. Um, but then uh, I happened to go to a coalition meeting where I heard someone from CEI, a, a gentleman named Tom Miller, give one of the most brilliant analyses of what was then the, supposedly the the, uh, the banking reform bill. This was in the this was in the 90s, early 90s. That was supposed to fix the problems that had caused the SNL debacle, which was this you know multi hundred billion dollar bailout that was necessary um, because of uh, malinvesting and the the, S, the savings and loan industry and and uh you know what i what i heard tom talk about was how the incentives were wrong and the and the the the, the so-called reform bill didn't fix any of the incentives and, and basically what it meant was that the snl debacle happened because the government was socializing risk uh while it allowed profits to be concentrated in private hands. In other words, the taxpayers were left holding the bacon if anything went wrong, and so naturally these institutions gambled like drunken sailors. And so I just thought, I, I ought to get to know these people better, and pretty soon I thought, this is a great organization, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I must work there someday. And uh, and so it, there was a job opening uh, in 1993, and I leapt at it. And then fast forward to 1997, and that was the Kyoto Protocol year. That was the year that the Kyoto Protocol was being negotiated. And I had not really studied uh, climate science at all and uh, and was not even very uh, deeply versed in any kind of environmental issues or policy. But I could see that this was gigantic and that it potentially was – uh, was was a, a huge threat to market liberty. Uh, that 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 implicit in their in the objectives of the climate campaigners was the 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 ambition to simply wipe fossil fuel uh, production and use off the map. And it was it was very obvious then, and it still is that. Uh, fossil fuels are the mainstay of the global energy system. It also occurred to me that because carbon dioxide is the most ubiquitous byproduct of industrial civilization, um, that if you're really going to be serious about regulating it, you've got to get control of everything that makes anything, moves anything, <laughs> communicates anything. You know, so so I saw a. And, and I also saw this push at the time to standardize opinion about this subject so that there would be a consensus and, and to be considered credible, you had to be in sync with the consensus. So I, I, I hadn't put the whole puzzle together, but I saw this as a looming authoritarian movement that I should really um, pay a lot of attention to and start writing about as I as I as I learn things about it. So that's how I got 
that's how I came to CEI, and that's how my focus at CEI eventually, uh, eventually concentrated on uh, climate and energy issues. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think probably several, uh, several of uh, the more libertarian conservative bent who work on this issue came at it in similar ways. So uh, Senate Democrats and their lapdogs in the corporate media are calling – this uh, Schumer Mansion monstrosity, the biggest action ever taken by the U.S. to fight climate change, and claiming it will result in a 40% reduction of carbon dioxide emissions by 2030. What are some of its provisions, and how likely are they to successfully reduce emissions by the amount in the time frame claimed? Uh, I would guess about as good as the uh, the idea that the bill will reduce inflation, but what are your thoughts? <laughs> Okay. Well, some of the provisions are uh, about $260 billion in tax credits for, uh, for low emissions electricity production, you know, so for wind, solar, even, even some for nuclear, uh, about $80 billion in additional rebates for electric vehicles and, and home energy upgrades to make your home more energy efficient and a $60 billion in subsidies for what's called alternative energy manufacturing. You know, so not just for the production of the, of the solar electricity, but for the, uh, you know, the solar or wind turbine, uh, the, the solar panels or wind turbines themselves, that kind of thing. And then other features uh, that are that are supposed to drive down emissions are the uh, the regressive taxes on American oil and gas development. And uh, there, uh, Mike Pollitz uh, over at the Americans for Tax Reform has a very good um, article on all of the tax hikes in the in the um, Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, but the, the ones that we're, we're interested in in this program uh, is uh, a natural gas tax that will uh, will in, uh, will increase, or it's a coal tax rather. Sorry, I was about to say you didn't mention you know, coal, but Manchin yeah. Manchin's the prime nego- one of the prime prime negotiators, right? And and right. he's helped impose a tax on coal, not on the sales of coal. But before it's even sold, if you mine it on private land, you pay a tax. <laughs> right. And it, it adds up to about $6.5 billion. Uh, and then there's, uh, then there's a new methane tax on, on natural gas. And uh, the, natural ga- the American Gas Association um, estimates that that will raise the, 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 co- the average cost of a family's natural gas bill by around – 17%. Of course, it will also increase the cost of electricity generated with natural gas. Um, so the, those are some of the provisions. Now, um, it's you know they play they play these games uh, with with numbers, as you know. And so 40% of you know 40% reduction sounds like a sounds like just a big deal and it sounds like they're claiming that they're going to achieve this in seven years as you put it but actually what they're measuring it from is 2005 levels and american uh, emissions have been dropping since 2005 
And so uh, uh, one of our friends, Jordan McGillis, who used to be at the Institute for Energy Research um, and who is now at the Manhattan Institute, had a piece uh, recently. Uh, and he pointed out that um, that the uh, rhodium group has done an analysis which found that uh, U.S. emissions were already on track to decrease by about 35% by, uh, by 2030, um, absent any additional policy action. So, you know, so this, and, and then I would also point out that a wonderful analysis that was done by Roger Pilkey Jr., who, who calculates that the difference between the baseline for the world and the the base and and now the adjusted baseline if the inflation and reduction act is enacted uh in 2030 is 0.4 gigatons of carbon dioxide so in other words um instead of the world emitting 50 gigatons of carbon dioxide in 2030 it'll uh it'll emit 50 gigatons minus 0.4 so 40 uh 49.6 so, so basically, in terms of climate impact, this is completely undetectable, indiscernible, unverifiable, and inconsequential. Uh, but also, the numbers, 40%, sounds really impressive. Oh, my gosh, our emissions are going down 40%. But it appears that they're already on track to go down 35%, largely because um, uh, natural gas generation has uh has squeezed so much of coal out of the market and other policies uh that were adopted say by the Obama administration like the so-called mercury air uh, mercury uh air toxic standards rule the mats rule uh that that drove just a lot of coal generation um at, you know out of the marketplace and uh, and that that of course was a crazy regulation, as you may remember. Well, yeah, the courts if, the courts found it, it was uh, the Supreme Court ruled that it was uh, was illegal, but basically it already had. Its yeah, effect, right, right. And so, they uh, they found that if you if you actually looked at the yeah. uh, costs of that rule, which I think maxed out at something like nine point three billion in 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 the year twenty sixteen, and compared it to the environmental benefits that were claimed for the mercury reductions that mm. are were the express target of the bill the yeah. the cost benefit ratio was somewhere between 1600 to 1 and 2400 to 1 but but that was a huge burden on the coal industry um and it 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 made a lot of uh it, it drove it drove away you know just all yeah, new no. investment in, the in end, coal generation the courts yeah. the court made its ruling but it had already had the effect uh, people you know, power companies planned. That's advance. right. And, and, and so, Gina McCarthy, you, you know, who was then the head of the EPA and is now the climate czar for uh, yeah. for President Biden, laughed and she yeah. said, "Ha, you know, yep, uh, they can overturn they can overturn the rule, but uh, you know, the damage has been done." Right. Uh, right. She gloated over that. Yeah. Now, uh, but you know, it seems to me. So basically what you're saying is they're spending a whole lot of money. Well, I should say the funny thing is I'm not sure how much money they'll end up spending, and I'll tell you why. I wrote 
that to get the 40%, everything would have to be perfect in the sense of every dollar of subsidy would have to be claimed Mm -hmm. uh, and all of the subsidies and credits and programs uh, that are enacted, because it's not enough to pass a bill. You, you know, people have to buy the electric cars. They have to install these things on their homes or retrofit the windows, whatever. They have to do all these things. And unless every one of those things works perfectly, uh, you don't get the 40% because the 40% claim was based upon, you know, the ideal that everything would, everyone would do just what Congress says they're going to do. Uh, and yet, I, don't, I can't remember. I've, I looked back in my my memory, and admittedly it's limited, but I can't remember any bill where everything they planned for in the bill came off perfectly. I, I can't remember that bill, um, where every program had no unintended consequences, had no blowbacks, had no uh, uh, lobbyist undercutting it come the next budget bill. Uh, you know, I just don't remember that bill, and so. Even the 40%, which is only, as you know, per your analysis, only an extra 5%, still depends on everything going just right. And when I look at some of those provisions, like um, we're going to give lots of money to localities and basically uh, lobbying groups, interest groups, uh, community organizing groups, to implement programs that help low-income communities fight climate change by, what, retrofitting homes. Okay, so I'm a poor person, and you're going to give me 20%, even 30% towards retrofitting my home with, with uh, uh, you know, uh, new, new windows that are energy efficient or a new air conditioner. I can't afford the air conditioner. And 20% tax credit does me no good because I already don't pay taxes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, hold it. I'm not convinced all the money will actually be spent um, because the people it's targeting don't make enough money to, to pay for their share because they've still got a share, <laughs> their share of the programs. Uh, it's like the electric car subsidies. If, if an electric car costs Fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars more than another car, and they're going up faster than than uh, internal combustion engine vehicles because of the inflation and the uh, well demand and the supply chain issues. They're going up fast. I couldn't afford it before. You've given me the same seventy five hundred dollar tax credit to buy one now. I still can't afford it. <laughs> I'm not going to go out yeah, and buy I one. It's it's crazy. I, you're absolutely right about all of that, and and I I couldn't say it as well as you just said it, but yeah, I mean the, these dis, there's going to be so much discoordination in the in the economy or in the affected sectors because of this. Uh, I mean this is this is the folly of central planning. I, I, I you know you can you can subsidize green energy, uh, which then increases the demand for all of the the uh, the rare earths and the other yeah. minerals that you need in order to make this stuff like cobalt and silicon and and copper you know but will will there be a mining in, infrastructure in place anywhere to produce yeah. the the materials in the in the quantities that are required to meet the demand no and so what will happen well then prices will prices rise will go up, yeah. and so you know they're trying to claim that I mean, there or insinuate that because the wind and the sun are free, 
that as we shift towards uh, energy sources that that run on solar solar power and wind power, yeah. uh, that our energy bills are going to go down, and that that therefore this will fight inflation. But you know, all we've seen to date, uh, and it's it's telling, is that energy prices are are soaring, and especially even more so in Europe, and it's because the the governments of the world, including ours have basically announced that their objective is to terminate the use of fossil fuels um you know within uh, pretty much uh within 15 years and so nobody uh, and so you know companies are are risk averse and so they are all expecting the demand for fossil fuels to greatly exceed the supply and increasingly do so as time goes on. And so that, that, that expectation and the futures markets based on those expectations then feed back into current prices. And so uh, the, the paradox that, and the, or the ironic result, of course, is that the oil companies are having the best you know, couple of years now um, because their stock prices are going up so high, because the oil prices are going up so high. But why are oil prices yeah. going up so high? It's because governments have said we're going to, we're not going to allow you to make any more of this stuff, you know, in the near future. Uh, and we're gonna, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that 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 your competitors in the renewable sector, you know, crush you. Uh, but but right now people still need oil and gas because it still is the basis of more than 80% of the global energy system. So guess what? The, this stuff all of a sudden becomes much more valuable than it used to. They, uh... And so I mean that's just that's just sort of like the biggest of these disconnects is that they are mandating a transition to. A, what, they, what they claim is a green energy se- sector. You and I know that it's not green because the material intensity of, of uh, wind and solar power is, and, and, and electric vehicles is just, is just you know, many times over what it is for, for sure. uh, you know, natural gas power plants or coal power plants. But anyway, the, 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 the mining and processing infrastructure that you would need to build this alternative energy system isn't there, and so they're increasing demand way beyond any realistic provision of supply. And of course, that means that you're going to have high prices. Economics and, 101. Uh, economics 101. And so, as you say, a lot of people, you know, the, a lot of people, you know, maybe they'll be el- the, the, they'll be eligible for for these tax credits to build wind and solar, you know. Um, power the, the the other the other impeding factor of course also is that we have this sclerotic uh and litigation ridden permitting system Regulatory it is very state. difficult yeah. to build anything of any size in the United States today and and they want to just you know cover <laughs> cover the country with solar solar panels and you know and and uh and wind farms and i mean and so so you know, this this also gets us right back to the Inflation Reduction Act because Joe Manchin, uh, our great hero senator in in uh, West Virginia, who who misled or you know who duped a whole bunch of people, including me, into thinking that he had killed the the Biden administration Build Back Better agenda, which was this big green energy 
agenda as well as you know a, a dramatic expansion of Obamacare and and and, of, and wealth taxes of course okay so, so we don't get the wealth taxes now that's one good thing but anyway he said he would only go along with the Inflation Reduction Act if he would get a commitment from Biden mm-hmm. and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to to reform the permitting system. Right. But the same Democratic Senate that that unanimously passed the Inflation Reduction Act voted to to overturn or or, or, or yeah vote well they 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 voted to um, they voted. Um, against a uh, a resolution that would have restored the Trump administration's reforms to the permitting system, which you would need if you were to yeah. accelerate the you know the no. penetration of of these green energies into the economy. And so, also, I would just observe that Mansion, I think himself, may have been suckered. You know, you remember Popeye, the old Popeye cartoons? There was this character Wimpy who would say. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for, for a hamburger, hamburger today. today. Yeah, and so man, here's Manchin, who's now agreeing to vote for the in, the Inflation Reduction Act on the promise that Biden, <laughs> yeah. Schumer, and Pelosi will be able to get all the Democrats to vote to basically He'll, gut the National Environmental Policy, policy Act, the NEPA, yeah. the, the 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 permitting system of the United States. To which they have pledged their fealty for decades. Yeah, now and he's so uh, maybe it'll happen, but I'm not expecting it. I'm not. I'm not. Maybe he was a sucker. I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe he was in on it from the start. You know, uh, very dramatic. Uh, oh, but, I do think but, he played us. I think he played us from the start. In other words, he he sort of he 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 got the uh, he he imparted a false sense of security to the Republicans. Who thought? Oh well, George, you know Joe Manchin is going to prevent Obama from spending another trillion dollars or nearly a trillion dollars Biden, on all Biden. of this progress. I mean, sorry, Biden on all of this progressive, you know, energy and climate legislation. Um, so we can relax and we can now pig out on on our own kind of pork, exactly. which was the yeah, which was the uh, the semiconductor um, bill. For you know the chips bill mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, you know was basically corporate welfare for the sem- semiconductor industry. So we can afford we can afford now to spend 280 billion because Biden is not going to spend another 800 let's, billion. Yeah, let's and support, then let's Joe support. Manchin pulls the rug out from under them, and behold, now we've got 280 billion in new spending plus seven uh, 740 billion in yeah. new spending. So or, uh, let's be clear: new spending. Yep. It's welfare for the well-to-do. This is this is we have billionaires that we're now spending spending money to support for the Republicans and billionaires that we're now spending money to support for the Democrats. But it's going to inflate. It's going to reduce inflation because we all know government spending <laughs> reduces yep. inflation. Uh, it's well known that when government that's that's why it's works. That's why the last few spending bills, uh, the so-called bills related to COVID. Uh, have reduced inflation so much. Um, the God, you said so much, and we could go down numerous rabbit holes. But right. I just want to say this about what you know what happened with Mansion. You know, it, it is a lot like Wimpy. It's a lot like Charlie Brown uh, with Lucy and the football. Right? Why Mansion? Who I don't think is a stupid person. 
um, would accept the promise of the future rather than saying, you must give me this now before I vote for that. You know, because he wanted the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Oh, yeah, we're going to give you that. Uh, he wanted the, you know, uh, uh, revision of the permitting process, you know. And that's one of the things. Everyone that's lauding this 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 uh, Schumer Mansion bill acts like these things are going to happen just because of this bill. But they don't understand that cost, in my opinion, cost is not the primary reason that we're not producing rare earths and critical minerals here in the U.S. today. You called it the sclerotic um, – I forget what you said. The sclerotic, yeah, uh, litigation some, ridden, or yeah. yeah, litigation. It's 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 the 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 regulatory state. It doesn't matter how much you know. It's like saying we're going to spend we're we're passing a law that will eradicate cancer because we're going to spend an extra two billion dollars on it. It's like no, these things don't happen just because you spend money. Oh, we're going to have the best education system in the world because we're going to spend lots more money. No. It, it takes certain things for these things to happen. And, and, uh, you can spend all the money you want. I can give air, all the corporations all the money they want. If they can't get through the regulatory process and they can't, and they can't get through the lit- litigation and they can't, um, then it doesn't get done. And that, and they've got to calculate how much money do I want to spend fighting lawsuits? How much money do I want to spend on regulations? And, I've read, oh, well, Biden's really pushing hard to get rare earths here. The Biden administration is really pushing hard to get uh, uh, the refining of uh, critical minerals here. We're going to start producing this stuff here. So what is he doing? Well, he's talking a lot about it. I see his uh, Janet Yellen talks about it. Everyone talks about it. But then what does he do? As you say, he rescinded all the Trump regulations that would have helped uh, increase mining. It, you know, the, the things that set deadlines on this is how long an agency has to go through the, to, to review the permits. They have this long and no longer. This, right. these are the things that they no longer have to look at when they do permitting. And in, in other words, all the indirect climate related to cost. No, you don't have to do that. If it's not directly related, downstream cost, downstream impacts of climate change don't have to be accounted for under, under Trump. Not under Biden. Right. He's, he's put all these things back and worse. He's ladled new regulations. And somehow the regulatory process is going to uh, go smoothly and all these things are going to get built <laughs> to produce in the, in the, you know, the, the auto industry is already warned. Uh, we won't have the electric cars promised because provisions in the bill say it has to be made from steel produced in the U.S. and made from minerals and batteries uh, produced in the U.S. and manufactured. It's like, well, we don't have a single refining uh, uh, factory for rare earths, for lithium, for any of them in the U.S. We don't have one. And they haven't allowed one to be built. <laughs> right. We don't, we don't have uh, anywhere near the mining capacity for it. And so where are these cars that they're trying to sell with the $7,500 tax rate? Even if everyone could buy them because they weren't more expensive, where are they going to come from? Nothing satisfies the provisions of the bill. It's, it's, um, I would say it's a comedy of errors if I didn't think it was intentionally, um, 
and maybe this is Sterling Burnett conspiracy theorist, but if I didn't think it was intentionally <laughs> intended, you know, intended to drive up costs, to make people drive less, to make them stay home, to basically keep them under government's thumb. But anyway, that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I do think <laughs> I do think keeping people under government's thumb is a is a high priority of many people who serve in government. Um, you know, the thing is that, you know, you, you were asking, well, what what do you really think Joe Joe uh, Manchin is trying to do or what does he think he's trying to do? And, you know, I can't say I've never met the man and I've I've never had a conversation with him. Um, but I do think that it's pretty obvious that he, you know, he's a Democrat in good standing and he likes to he likes to tax and he likes to spend. And uh, and I think that's 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 the jollies that a lot of people, um, uh, especially among the party of government, but, you know, Republicans as well, um, they they like spending other people's money. They like spending the taxpayers money. And, you know, you know, climate change is just and and, you know, environmental equity is just is just one of the among the newer uh, pretexts for saying, oh, we've got to increase government spending and don't worry, uh, driving up the deficit, it'll all be worth it. It'll all work out in the end because 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 our planet and our economy will be sustainable. Well, and you said so, it you know, at the, the outset. The, the budget won't be sustainable. You know, yeah. it, it won't be economically sustainable as we keep expanding the, the, the deficit and the national debt. But don't worry, it'll make the planet sustainable uh, in ways that are too small um, even hypothetically, uh, to be measured or verified. Um, and, you know, what, now, on paper, it looks like you will actually get some deficit reduction uh, at, the, at, at the end of this, uh, at, at, by 2030, except, it, you know, Ben Zyker, our friend over at the, uh, the American Enterprise Institute, has written brilliantly about this recently, where he says, look, uh, you know, once you create these these tax subsidies, um, we know what happens. I mean, we know what's been happening for the last 30 years. In a couple of years, they'll be renewed. Yeah. And so it's the, these these subsidies, these you know these tax credits, you know, uh, you know, hundred over hundreds of billions of dollars in tax credits. Those are not one-time affairs. You know, every time you create an interest group, as as you know. Yeah. Sterling, you create an interest group uh, by, they now, by giving. They now have the incentive to lobby. Out. Yeah, they have the incentive yeah. to lobby to keep then, it going. Yeah, then you've got you've got a vested interest. Of course, they're already vested interests. The whole renewable energy industry has yeah. been a, a corporate welfare recipient now for decades. But you, then you also get the the phenomenon of the near beneficiary. You you get you get you get interests that, that figure out that hey you know if the program were just modified or tweaked in a little this way then I can get a benefit too you know yeah. and so it it it's uh, the, the idea that the uh, that the tax losses through the tax credits that we see now and the spending is going to be is is not going to grow if this thing is uh is enacted is not is naive or or duplicitous because it will just simply become the uh the floor on which uh the same the same cast of characters lobbies for more of the same 
uh, in, 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 in later years. Well, I think it was Ronald Reagan who said the closest thing to an immortal uh, being is a government uh, right. agency or something government like that. Pro- program. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, government programs. I mean, it's, it's really hard to name uh, the, any government programs that have ever been actually abolished or i mean the the interstate commerce commission comes to mind you know okay so that's one agency but how many agencies of the federal government and uh yeah so that's that, that's that's really always why uh the the default position for any new spending or program should just be no because um however much they tell you oh it's just to meet this emergency this need whatever uh, once you've got it, you're 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 mostly stuck with it because you will always have concentrated beneficiaries and diffuse cost payers, right. and the beneficiaries are so much easy to easier to organize and lobby, um, you well, know, than diffuse interests. Especially since, to be to be honest, to be fair, most of the cost right. payers haven't been born yet, right? Because it's done with debt <laughs> spending. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, you know, look, we were founded yeah. as a nation. You know, I, I grew up as a little as a little boy when I learned American history. You know, one of the things that they fought for in the revolution was no taxation without representation. I'm sorry, the least represented taxpayer are future generations who are paying off this debt. They have no say whatsoever. They they can't even protest and complain that they don't have the right to have a say because they haven't been born yet. But uh, they are not represented. Uh, in in any of these kinds of bills, yes. Yeah, so it's it's inter, inter, intergenerational theft. Oh yeah, no. Um, you're born but, you're born uh, owing. You're born. You know, people right. say, oh, you shouldn't build up all this credit card debt. You're you're creating whole generations of people that are born owing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's crazy. And yeah, and 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 people really have true. no conscience about that. They they just. They say we want to leave our, the next generation better off than ourselves. We want to leave our grandchildren, but you're specifically leaving them worse off with all this deficit spending. So it's 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 bad. So Marlo, <laughs> this is a yep. very complex bill, right? You know, there's there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we could go on all day, and I had a few more questions, but we're really running a, 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 a bit longer than we usually do on these podcasts. But I want to get one important thing, one one last important point made before we uh, before we close. Um, so there was a little discussed, almost hidden provision of the bill granting the EPA power and funding to regulate carbon dioxide. Now, it was blocked at the last minute when the Senate parliamentarian ruled on a, a, a request from uh, Shelley Moore Caputo, the other senator from West Virginia, who actually had her constituents' interest in mind. Um, but it would have given them the power to regulate and spend money to regulate carbon dioxide. The parliamentarian ruled that because it only had an incidental budgetary effect, it was prohibited as part of a budget bill. Uh, they had to pass it as a as a bill as part of a bill that would requ- that would be able to be filibustered. Budget bills don't. Uh, they only need the fifty percent, and so it was struck out. Uh, Ted Cruz and she had tried to pass provisions. Uh, to uphold the Supreme Court's decision in West Virginia v. EPA that said EPA can't regulate carbon dioxide emissions unless Congress explicitly gives it that power, at least not in the way they tried to do it, I should say, to be fair. Um, yeah. um, and those provisions were, were voted down uh, 50-50. Uh, 
uh, the Republicans all vote Republicans voted for it. All Democrats, including Manchin, voted against it. Uh, but then she got it stripped through a parliamentary procedure. Now, um, I would say Caputo and the parliamentarian came to the country's rescue on this. That in many ways, had this been part of the final bill, it was uh, in many ways the most dangerous provision of the bill in the energy section. Uh, I guess I want to say, what what's your an- analysis of this provision? What were they trying to do? And uh, why should people have been concerned about it? And why should they be happy it's stripped? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> I'll just uh, tell your, your listening audience that I have a piece on this very subject today on Real Clear Energy. That's realclearenergy.org. And it's, it's an update on what I call the anti-West Virginia scheming in the Schumer Mansion bill, this reconciliation bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, we, it, what, this, what this language did was that it, yeah, as you say, it, it directed the EPA to use $45 million um, available until 2031, September 30th, 2031, uh, to carry out various, as they, that's the way it was put, to carry out various regulatory provisions of the Clean Air Act. <clears throat> Actually, there, let's see, there's uh, six, there was um, nine provisions of the Clean Air Act. And <clears throat> to carry these out, I'm sorry, I'm having a bit of a <clears throat> congestion here. Hold on. <clears throat> to carry them out, quote, with respect to greenhouse gases. Now, this would not have overturned the West Virginia versus EPA decision. That's the one where the Clean Air Act, or excuse me, where the Supreme Court uh, overturned the, uh, the the Obama administration's clean power plan, but also made it clear that the EPA, under one of these provisions of the Clean Air Act, does not have authority to herd states and utilities into the the, the, the market restructuring cap and trade programs that were that Congress considered repeatedly during the um, during the Obama and and uh, during actually the GW Bush and Obama administrations, so over a 16-year period, cons- looked at them repeatedly and always declined to enact them. Okay, but nonetheless, what this would have done is the first time ever. In any statute, there would have been a clear statement by Congress for EPA to use these provisions of the Clean Air Act to regulate greenhouse gases. Because if you look in those provisions, the greenhouse gas is not mentioned, climate is not mentioned, global warming is not mentioned, um, uh, did I say carbon? Carbon is not mentioned. Actually, there's one of them that does mention greenhouse, but it is that's the uh, the provision with the renewable fuel standard, which which comes with a disclaimer that says nothing in this provision will be interpreted to affect the legal status of carbon dioxide or greenhouse gases under the Clean Air Act. So that one was really not a mischief maker. But all these others, 111, that was the one that was used for the clean power plan, 115, which some of the climate advocates claim could be used to obligate the United States to match 
emission reductions with the European Union under the Paris Agreement. In other words, it's kind of a reciprocity provision. And so if other countries yeah. are, are, are reducing their emissions, which might hurt you, 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 you can be required under this provision to reduce your emissions, which would hurt them. And, but, but the re reciprocity then would somehow come from the, the Paris Climate Treaty. So this was, this was like a way of trying to uh, uh, incorporate the Paris Agreement into a provision of the Clean Air Act. It was very mischievous, and that's the one that Shelley Capito, I think, was able to get out on a point of order that the parliamentarian agreed with. So I think we, we can all breathe a sigh of relief. It wouldn't have, as I said, it wouldn't have affected, it wouldn't have rebutted effectively the argument uh, in West Virginia, which is that Congress, you know, hasn't given a clear statement that any part of the Clean Air Act is supposed to be used to make bold transformational changes in the U.S. economy. Um, but they could at least claim, if they had this provision in there, that you know, in some way, to some degree, these provisions could be used as regulatory provisions for climate purposes yeah. because Congress had clearly stated it, and now that's gone, and I breathe a huge sigh of relief. So do I, because I was very concerned about it. Uh, the, you know, it's, it, was, it was a Pandora's box. It was, it was trying to get through the back door, but they couldn't get through the front door, and it may have been only bits and pieces, but a lot of damage can be done in bits and pieces. Um, Correct. Marlo, we've been pleased that you'd be with us today. I want to thank you on behalf of myself and our listeners. It has been a pleasure, Sterling, and thank you very much for having me on today. Listeners, thanks for checking in on us today. Please check Heartland's website as we follow the successes and failures of the Inflation Adjustment Act. I predict more failures than successes, uh, except for the tax portions, which I'm sure will bring in a lot of money and uh, harm a lot of people. Uh, and as we follow the work of Marlo Lewis and the rest of the great research team at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. In addition... Follow us, the Heartland Institute, as we follow the progress of energy and environmental laws and regulations that affect you. In addition, if you're not already receiving these podcasts daily on your favorite device, go to iTunes and subscribe. And when you have the time, please rate our podcast on iTunes so you can help us expand the reach of free market ideas. Thanks. Take care. Bye. <music>